0: Your troubles a mountain in tax or accounting, you go to cruise. cruise founders and friends. It's Cruise Consulting, founders and friends. With your host Scotty Orn. Welcome to Founders and Friends podcast with Scott Orne at Cruise Consulting. And before we get to a great interview with Glenn Evans of Greylock, first a shout out to our sponsor Rippling. Rippling is the best most advanced payroll system on the market. It's great for payroll, it's great for benefits. It's also great because it integrates into your IT infrastructure and lets you spin up all the web services that new employees need. So like, I I've always talk about this on the podcast, but every time we hire someone at Cruise, we have to spend three hours getting all their web services live. Our IT services firm charges us 140 bucks an hour. That means we spend $400, can you believe this Glen? $400 every time we hire someone just to get their internet working and all their services. Rippling does that for you automatically. It's awesome. It's all bundled in. So check out Rippling. We really like it. It's great. It's a great payroll service too. And with that, Glenn Glenn was nodding vigorously on the Rippling. Yep. With that, I'd like to introduce Glenn Evans. Welcome, Glenn from Greylock.
1: Yeah. Thanks for having me, Scott. Yeah. Glad to be here.
0: So two time podcast guest here. This is big.
1: Yeah. This is uh, part two.
0: Yeah. Excited. Yeah. There's very few. You're yeah. in a very Slack company.
1: Yeah.
0: Um, so when we last talked, you were at Slack. Yeah maybe you could kind of retrace your career a little bit for people who are just listening for the first time and then tell everyone where you are now.
1: Yeah, for sure. Um, Let's see, I've been in recruiting since 2003. Like many of us, fell into it. I was in agency for four years, uh, learned the ropes there, learned kind of customer service. uh, That's
0: a school of hard knocks, right? Oh,
1: yeah. Um, You know, (laughs) the 40K base, grinding for everything else. People hanging up on you. It was was tough, Um, but I learned a ton. I learned a lot about you know, matching opportunities, trying to help people, help companies. So it was just kind of ingrained in me early to like do that and, you know, do that well and that will lead to uh, good outcomes and and supporting people in the companies. Um, so that led me to an opportunity to contract at Google. That led me to an opportunity to contract at Yahoo. The economy tanked in 09 and I wasn't sure what to do next. Thought maybe in-house wasn't for me. And a little company called Facebook uh, was hiring contractors, so I got in touch with a friend of mine who I worked with at Google. And just said, "Hey, would they be interested?" And sure enough, they were. Got the job. You know, was there for seven years and. That was a great experience I, I learned a ton about you know scaling a company you know learned a lot about leadership and hiring at scale and building process to you know accommodate that so that was really fun.
0: you ended up running like a pretty big group there right like-
1: yeah um, I started as a contractor report uh, working on uh, systems uh, software engineering and by the time I left, I was running all of infrastructure it and security recruiting for the company we were hiring a thousand people a year my org was over a hundred people. That's incredible. It what was, a, what a, a success story. That's ne- amazing. Never would have thought, you know, yeah. it was really interesting, but, um, it was hard. You know, I learned a ton, um, wasn't easy at all, but, um, I'm grateful for that. Um, and because of that, uh, I had an opportunity to go to Slack to run global recruiting, which, um, seemed like a no brainer based on their trajectory and an opportunity to really stretch myself to do things, uh, you know, beyond just technical and also outside of, you know, just the Bay area. So, uh, great experience there. Um, I mean,
0: Slack was probably—is it the fastest-growing SaaS company of all time? Yeah. Yep. So the hiring requirements must have been insane.
1: Yeah, there's a lot of a lot of change, a lot of stop-start. Um, sales became a big focus, so that was fun because I got to learn about um, scaling up, you know, sales and marketing, and you know, some of the non-technical things that I hadn't really done before. So that was that was really interesting. Opening new offices globally, we opened offices in Melbourne, uh, Japan, Toronto, New York. Um, so it was re- in Denver. It was, it was really fun. That's so amazing. I had a good time. So yeah. basically,
0: the lesson is: any time you go work at a company, I should try to invest in it. Oh, I don't. You, know. You're hitting yeah, four before yeah. there.
1: <laughs> yeah. No. So Slack was great. Great people. Um, I had a great time there. Um, and as these things go, I wasn't looking. It was really, um, it was really a hard decision. But um, Greylock came calling and asked if I'd be open to um, replacing somebody who was moving on to start their own their own fund who who had been in my, uh, the role I'm in now for about seven years. And so I. Explored that, learned more about what the role entails, and uh, it seemed like a no-brainer just to kind of continue growing and learning. So I was yeah. really excited to jump into that.
0: That's incredible. So you joined Greylock, For those who don't know, you should. You hopefully, if you're listening to the podcast, you do know it's one of the top, top, top VC firms in the world. What incubated Workday? I mean, where your LinkedIn? I still remember LinkedIn from like 15 years ago when yep. I was trying to get into LinkedIn at Lighthouse. What are what's the where are the hits from the Greylock oh, hits?
1: Facebook, Instagram, oh, Facebook. Workday, Facebook Friday, yeah. uh, LinkedIn, ServiceNow, yeah, you know the list goes on. It's, a, some it's really, incredible, really amazing companies, yeah. yeah. So,
0: and I feel like the founders that come out of there, especially like the Reed Hoffman, some of the LinkedIn founders, they really give back. Like they really, it's it's pretty cool to watch like their legacy in the startup ecosystem. It's pretty neat. So that that, yeah. that I'm sure helps at Greylock. So yeah, too. some great
1: people. I yeah. mean, it's it's been fantastic, and we. We invest in. We look for for great people to invest in and great ideas. And yeah, I've, I've really enjoyed it so far. That's awesome.
0: Yeah. Uh, so what? We'll, I mean, it's a pretty big shift going from like a corporate environment to like working at a VC fund. Like, can you share some of the the positives and negatives and what's what's it like? That's a big that's a big jump.
1: Yeah, it's different. Um, it kind of reminds me of my agency days a little bit, trying to support you know. Dozens and dozens of companies at a time. Uh, with
0: I can that, relate to that.
1: Well, yeah, without the yeah, exactly. Without the commission necessarily. Um, that's also good because you get a lot of exposure. I, I'm excited to like build a network again because when you're in house, you're just kind of focused on that company and it becomes a little more transactional and less about kind of the long-term relationship. Um, so I've enjoyed that aspect of it. That's cool. So that's a big change.
0: Yeah, I mean, I'm mean, Slack had an incredible brand, so you probably could talk to everyone you want to, but. Have you know like Greylock's brand and and the companies you're you're investing in some of the coolest companies in the world? Do you do you notice like that air of excitement when you're calling or or someone on your team's calling and people are engineers or people are picking up the phone? Like it's got to be palpable.
1: Yeah, no, uh, response rates are great, and I think we approach people with a proactive mindset. Like we want to just get to know them. How can we help? If it's not helping them now, it could be helpful down the road. It's not a Try and make it as less transactional as possible. Yeah, yeah, but people are really responsive, which is great.
0: And some people might be saying, "Oh, why does a VC fund have a recruiting arm or a recruiting partner?" Maybe you can talk about that a little bit.
1: Yeah, I've noticed every venture company or venture capital firm, is they set this up very differently. Um, so I don't know if there's one perfect way to do it. Uh, the way we've set it up is, you know, we have a pretty small team. We have a lean team that focuses mostly on. Product design and engineering hires, is, and we tend to focus more on the earlier stage companies that haven't hired before or haven't, you know, or they don't have a recruiter in house. Mm. So we we tend to uh, help them with those early founding engineering hires, early product hires that can really move the needle for that company's trajectory. And then you hear the term, I've heard the term from founders, like, Higline, you guys are really value add investors. Like, this is really great. So it is a differentiator. You know, occasionally we'll get pulled in to talk to companies about, you know their challenges uh, while they're going through the due diligence, so that we can kind of pitch on how we could help them uh, if they end up choosing Greylock. Yeah, so I always visualize
0: like a uh, football, co- like a football coach recruiting the star quarterback f- from out of high school, and then all of a sudden the coach is like, "Glenn, get in here and tell them about our recruiting capabilities." Right? You know, yeah. like uh, there's there's a little bit of that where like you're actually helping win the deal for Greylock, right?
1: Yeah, in some cases, I wouldn't. I'd say it. it
0: it's a team effort. Yeah, it's not course. like just you, but like. The fact that they have this capability, and given your, you know, how good you are at this kind of stuff, I'm sure it's like a pretty it, pro- it helps.
1: Yeah, I think it does help, and and I think it, it helps a lot of you know VC firms too. It's yeah. uh, not you know exclusive to Greylock, but I take a lot of pride in you know being a part of uh, that quality and trying to help yeah. you know our companies uh, grow and our investors be successful yeah. as well.
0: And so. when you're hiring those first couple engineers or, or you know first couple employees of any company, it's really setting the tone and the culture, and you know like how do you when you're when you're looking at those kind of folks, like how do you map those first couple hires in the culture they're going to create to the startup? Like, do you think about that, or do you? Is there checks and balances to make sure you get the right kind of person?
1: Yeah, I, I think there's a kind of a line. You have to to get to know the founding team, get to you know understand what's important to them, understand like how they operate, what makes them tick. You want to get them quality candidates that have seen scale before or, or have domain you know, expertise to to really help that company, you know, get off the ground. I don't know if it's my job necessarily to like inform or or teach them what kind of culture they need to have Mm -hmm. as much, but we try and help them match the skill sets, the type of person uh, or sorry, the type of experience that they've come from. So that it aligns well with the challenges that that company's facing.
0: You're probably matching the, the culture of the CEO or, you know, with the the people you're, high, they're, yeah, you're f- yeah of course them, right? To like s- that's the
1: thing. To some degree, yeah. Well, hey, this founder is really great, like you know, he's really outgoing or she's really outgoing, you know, this candidate would probably really mesh well with that. Yeah. So, you
0: know, there's some of that too. That's cool. So, one of the things we were kind of brainstorming on topics, which I found fascinating is a lot of a lot of the recruiting you do is is pulling people out of big companies, you know, not pulling, but like giving them an opportunity. Like how do you think about that? How do you think about how to how to find those folks, how to know that they're looking and then what are the trade-offs for them? How do you think about that?
1: Yeah, um, I think it's easy to find them, you know, LinkedIn does a good job of that. Great company. <laughs> LinkedIn is pretty um, <laughs> is pretty helpful. Yeah. I like LinkedIn. Um, I think the the key is there's a couple of things. One, founders need to really understand how to pitch their company and the market opportunity, what they're addressing, you know, how to talk through pitfalls, competitors, whatever it might be, but be able to speak about that cleanly, concisely, and with confidence because that matters when they're talking to candidates. Yep. So that's like kind of a, you know, table stakes kind of thing. Um, when you get into, you know, the candidates, you know, you got to, you know, we'll t- talk about this in a minute, I'm sure, but founders need to spend 50% or so of their time recruiting. and they Isn't that crazy? I mean, I've, I've run into some companies that do this really well. I've run into some that, you know, they just, they don't, no, or they just you know, don't find it as as valuable, and I think that hurts them. So spending time on it, right? Especially in the absence of a recruiting team and resources, you're small, you're scrappy, so you've got to carve out time for this, and you've got to instill like a recruiting culture within everybody, you know, with, with the entire company.
0: We'll come back to that. I want to talk about the recruiting. Yeah, culture.
1: sure. Um, so anyway, once you once you can you send out messages, you you have your your pitch and your approach, you tailor it to people um you make it personalized you don't make it canned and spammy um people will oftentimes follow up after the second or third attempt mm. so you know keep keep tabs on That's a really good
0: point. Yeah, like when you any, isn't there some sales thing where like the fifth time is when people start you know all, you found yeah. in recruiting it's like the third time?
1: Yeah, you don't want to be pushy or spammy, yeah. you know, you might follow up like a week after the first mes- message and say hey, just checking in, make sure you know this didn't get lost in your inbox. Would love to chat, you have a great background. And then maybe 30 days later, hey, one last attempt. You know, you, you, you don't just give up after the first try, yeah, sure. right? But anyway, so you set up your target list. You figure out, okay, what teams, what departments, what companies, you know, you dive in, you research, you create kind of a list of leads that you want to attract. So let's say it's a, one of the big fang companies. You can't assume they're not going to want to talk to you, right? So it might take a lot of cycles. It might take more reach outs. But eventually, once you get them on the phone, it's super important to understand what matters to them. I always actually ask candidates before I even dive in, hey, I've got this opportunity. I try and find out, like, what's important to you? If you were going to make a move, you know, forget what I'm calling you about. Forget my job or this or that. What's important to you? What's compelling to you about your next job? What's your dream job? Whatever. It sounds kind of cheesy, but I have found that that drops people's guard of, hey, I'm getting recruited into a little more like this person cares about me and what's important to me and then they just start rattling off stuff. You know,
0: ultimately you do care because you want them to be a fit. You know, like sure. you, you're helping. Yeah. This is like a really premium matchmaking service. You're like, you want them to find the right person, or yep. the right company, exactly. You know? So they start rattling off like the the subconscious or the the yeah. deeper things.
1: Yeah, and then you can ask open ended questions to like learn more. Like, yeah, they might want, you know, work life balance. They might want to work on hard challenges. They might want to grow to start a company someday. They might want. Fin, you know, financial stability, you know, whatever it might be, and so you kind of take note of those things as you go. Okay, these things are important to this person, Um, and then you tailor the process and/or your pitch to that person based on what they're saying. Yeah. Right. So anyway, I'll stop there. But I, I do think can't assume people from larger companies aren't going to want to go small. Like if somebody's very early at a successful company, they probably have the ability to take a risk. But the question is, are they still hungry? Mm -hmm. Right. Because they've made it, if
0: you will. Do you feel like there's any negative signals where like someone, you know, they, they're so focused on security of like the security of the brand or the job mm-hmm. or whatever? Do you, can you like, can you pick up on that kind of stuff and know it's not the right opportunity for yeah. them? Yeah. If,
1: if, if there's signals, like there's all kinds of signals. Somebody we talked to recently out of um, one of the fan companies, you know, had noted that they recently had a baby. They have great you know, parental leave benefits. Their cash comp is amazing. Yeah. And yet they were still you know, talking to this Series A stealth company. And like, if that was me, I would have said, whoa, 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 hold on. Yeah, You're not – no way you're going to walk away from all of these things to join a stealth company for half the cash without the parental leave benefits. You've got a lot at stake. You know, maybe this isn't the right fit for yeah. you. Yeah. And almost talk them out of it first yeah. and then let them opt back in or sell you on why they're actually yeah. really excited. About or it. that's
0: like someone you're going to recruit next year once they have a year to yeah. digest it. We and both have kids, so like we know exactly what, what exactly talking about. So, yeah.
1: you know, you want to be just thoughtful of, of what they're saying, what's important to them, really, you know, and then not waste time. Yeah. If they're not the right fit, don't try and keep things going. I think yeah. a lot of people, you know. to the final stage with an offer and then the person declines because they didn't pick up on things that they could have you know that's a great observation like you could
0: have saved yourself many cycles if you just maybe listen a little better to what they're saying do you feel like i'm just kind of curious i don't know if there's a scientific answer to this but what draws people out of the the fang companies or big companies Mm -hmm. is it the challenge is it the sexiness is it the options is it like what like you you've been doing this for so long you know, there has to be a couple of high-level observations. Or is it just people are different? And
1: yeah, I you know, I've, I've seen both sides. I still have a lot of friends at my previous employers that are very happy. And I also have some that are there but not that happy. And, and it's, it's case by case. I don't think there's like – you know, everyone has their own personal situation and their own reasons. Um, I'd say some of the things that I've, I've seen why people leave is – you know, they get tired of the size of the company. Mm-hmm. There's more red tape. There's more, you know, things move slower. You know, they miss building, building, you know, you know, I, or they don't feel like their career is growing as fast, which is kind of tied to not being able to build, yeah, right? Yeah, that's true. Yeah. Um, so it, it's a variety of reasons. And then, you know, it, it's hard to leave sometimes because of the cash and in the in the comp, which is also why some of these larger companies have employed that sh- or deployed that strategy yeah. to really make it difficult to leave
0: yeah i don't blame i mean it's a
1: smart smart move it's super smart
0: there's something you touched on a few minutes ago which is instilling a recruiting culture in the company earlier Mm -hmm. do you want to talk about that a little bit
1: it's critical you know i've worked at companies so facebook for example when i got there it was you know 600 and something people and and that's a big company right considering and the cto you know the the vps of engineering like they were all still very involved they would go to the weekly recruiting meetings review packets do sell calls like they would do whatever it took to get high high quality in the door so that also you know so the found that has to start with the founders right yeah so if, if I had advice for you know an early stage company or somebody who's thinking about starting a company and there's this fear of recruiting like recruiting is not rocket science you just have to make time for it yeah. so like carving out time every week making sure the rest of the team carves out time for it making sure you have you know a process in place you know high standards don't settle. For talent, because that can kill you, right? If you bring, you know, bring in a B player, they'll bring in a C player, and yeah. the C player will bring in a D player. I mean, yeah. it's such a cliche, but it's true. I've seen it too. And you cannot settle. So I, I would just say that it, it, it's super important. I've seen very, very successful companies. In my first year at Greylock, I think we, the team and I, was just four people at the time. We had almost a hundred offers across the portfolio. Um, roughly 700 introductions. So one in seven, roughly, got an offer, which was really great. The team and I. We're so proud of that. And the, the part that we really enjoyed was roughly half of those offers came at Series A or, or seed companies, which is really hard to do. There's no brand. There's no product market yeah, fit. Yeah, that's a great point. And I those are know, the companies that need it the
0: most. Yeah. They, they need the, the, the help in recruiting the most.
1: Yeah, and, and you know we, we're so proud of that. But it, it's funny. The ones that had done the best are the ones who are most involved in recruiting and take it the most seriously. The ones that struggle are the ones that kind of like oh it'll just happen we'll hire somebody will it'll just be a service yeah. versus let's all be involved in it it's everyone's job. Yeah. So
0: I think that's an amazing observation. Like I always think of it that <laughs> it's everyone's job is a really good way of saying that cuz I think of it as an investment. We're we're hiring constantly and like you you're right about not settling either. Like when I when I think back on times where you might have settled, it usually doesn't work out very well. Mm-hmm. And occasionally people surprise you and they do an amazing job, but yep. there's times where like you just got to be strong. Have a strong enough stomach. No matter how bad you need someone to not mm-hmm. take that emergency higher. Yeah, it's and hard. and the cool thing is, once you convert over to thinking about it as an investment of your time and energy yeah. and money, then you have this like pipeline. You you can build a pipeline that can con- continually produce new candidates. Mm-hmm. You know, because you're taking it so seriously. All those all those seeds you planted a year ago start bearing fruit. Mm-hmm. It's pretty exciting. Like I, I've. We've had the benefit of, of seeing that happen now where we have, like, we go to hire someone and we got 400 resumes, and that's awesome, you yeah. know, just sitting there. But but that wouldn't have happened without the hard work over the last six months to yeah. get all those things in there.
1: Yeah, and it, it, it's tough, too, because founders and, and early-stage companies are under a lot Ugh. of pressure to grow, to in time. meet deadlines. There's investors, and there's people involved that, you know, might create a little more pressure in the system. So... Um, it's hard to not settle, right? Um, So anything they can do to get ahead of that, you know, build a pipeline earlier, figure out how to hone in on that perfect profile. Like, what is good? Yeah. If they don't know what a good engineer looks like, go meet a couple and ask them, you know? (laughs) That's a great observation. You know, or like, if you don't know what a good product marketing person looks like, network, find somebody. Okay, tell me about the role. What should I ask? You know, like, get to know what you're doing and what you're recruiting and hiring for so that you don't have to settle.
0: Yep, I love it. Yep. I just always think of like every time I do an interview, I'm like, is this person going to make our lives easier? And if the answer is yes, then they're probably a good hire, yep. you know, it's kind of that simple sometimes.
1: Yeah. Are they coachable? Yeah. Do they want to learn?
0: You know, you said something else is interesting around the, you're so proud to get 50 of those hundred offers were for seed or series a cause mm-hmm. there's no brand, mm-hmm. but like you recruit, like Greylock will often put money into a company and they're not really public. They're like kind of a stealth company. Mm-hmm like, what are, what are some of those challenges? I mean, that's like, is that like uh, recruiting on a on a high wire? Like, it's it's just that much harder?
1: Yeah. I mean, you, you try not to put a lot of stuff in writing. Um, you don't want to give away too much. You know, it kind of ties back to aligning with the founders and or the investors on what you can or can't say, just so we feel safe about yeah. what we're doing. Um, <laughs> because, you know, you, you just, you don't want to be the leak right
0: i'm talking more about the the degree of difficulty oh
1: degree of difficulty yeah Yeah. it's like you know i've had the the good fortune i'm very grateful to have been aligned with some really great brands and and i've worked in places that haven't had that luxury so it's it's hard but i would say really honing the pitch like i was talking about earlier with the founders like you know we need to be able to pitch that just as well talk about the founders the trajectory Talk about Greylock's track record, suggested exploratory conversation, like no pressure, you know, but it might might be useful. This is a chance to grow. Um, but also knowing who to target, right? If somebody has a track record of going early or they've founded a company before, there there's some signal in their profile that shows that they're entrepreneurial, that's probably a good candidate for a, a stealth or early stage company. That's a really good point. I hadn't versus thought of that. Yeah, versus somebody who's only been at fangs of the world yeah. through their entire career. They kind of know
0: what they're getting into, good and bad. Yeah. And the brand maybe is as important to them. Yeah. You know, a stealth brand. Yeah. Are there companies that are now public that you can, that, you know, you you have some good memories of recruiting when they were stealth and people didn't, you know, it's the classic, like, uh, people didn't want to pay attention to them because they weren't famous at that point. But all of a sudden now, three or four years later, they're like humongous and
1: I haven't been at Greylock long enough to have to have a story like that. I, I hope to yeah. down the road. I, it's probably really developing exciting. right now. Yeah. yeah, I think so. We we do have a, a recent company that came out of stealth, um abnormal security, uh that was incubated in graylock's Greylock's offices. Um, founders are amazing, uh Evan and Sanjay and we've been partnering with them for the last, you know, eighteen months plus with early hires, you know, you know, engineers, products, machine learning, some sales. I mean, it's been pretty exciting uh, to to help them get uh, the company off the ground and, and land some great people, and then to see them come out of stealth and there's a lot of, you know, good traction with the product and what they're building, it's uh really exciting. So, anyway, that, that's a small example of that, you know? I'm, I'm Well, probably optimistic. by the
0: time people listen, you know, six yeah. months from now or a year from now, they'll be like, oh my gosh, that was a good yeah. one, you know? Yeah. Okay. I kind of feel like on the outside, the companies just really don't come labeled. It's really hard to tell. Mm-hmm. But when you start talking, to the, usually the founders, like the living, breathing kind of essence of the company and the brand and what you're trying yeah. to do, I feel like that's, that's, how, that's how you need, if you're someone interviewing at these companies. That's what you need to really buy into. If you don't, yep. if you don't really buy into the founder, and, and I was sometimes people ask me like how I how I ended up at Cruise, and I always tell people like Vanessa is actually you know my wife. She's yeah. actually a phenomenal entrepreneur. So yeah. like sometimes mm-hmm. in life you have this decision of like should I start something myself or should I get behind someone who's mm-hmm. really amazing. Yep. And that my my decision was get behind someone who's really amazing because I could see where she was going and, and then
1: marry them. Yeah, I did marry. I yeah. married her too. I really <laughs> got behind her and
0: <laughs> even had a kid. Yep. But like that's you know, that's when people are interviewing at these startups, that's how they should be thinking, like, yeah. am, I, am I really going to be behind this person, can I support this person and help all of us be successful?
1: Yeah, a hundred percent. people ask me sometimes, like, well, how do I know? What, what do I look for? And I talk to a lot of people that do want to go early, they just don't know where to start. And so it's I hard. always tell them, like to your point, look at the, the founders, look at the founding team, look at their backgrounds, um, read about them. There's probably blogs, there's probably you, know, you can look at LinkedIn. There's maybe some interviews or videos that you know they've done, where you can kind of get a sense of their of their character and who they are. And then when you meet them, you know, that that's another great way yeah. to, to really understand and, and have the chemistry, right? And then you know, dig into product, the industry, the competitors, the the investors. You know, and and all of that will kind of form you know an opinion on whether this is a, an exciting opportunity. And I've yeah. I've seen that too. I've I've already you know as I've been helping some of the companies. And I was like, wow, these I really like these founders. Like, I, can, <laughs> I can go work with them. them you know? yeah. yeah, I mean, I, I think it, it's not the right time in my life for that right now because I'm I mean, really enjoying what I'm doing. But it's really easy to it's see seductive. when somebody yeah. or, or some group of founders is really special. We
0: have yeah. the same thing. Like we, we work with two over 200 companies now. And it's like it's pretty fun when you, when you get on the rocket ship, yeah. you know. And yeah. then all of a sudden they're like, there's such a rocket ship that we you, you don't you get less time with them. You feel like you're like oh man we used to we used to talk like we were buddies. You yeah. Know, two years ago. No,
1: exactly. So um, it's uh it's yeah that's fun. That's that's what you hope for though. Your oh, totally, to be, totally. Want them to be there.
0: So you built like especially your Facebook and Slack experience. You like built a real recruiting organization. Mm-hmm. So maybe just I, I've never I've never been associated with, like we have our little recruiting operations at cruise and I'm pretty proud of it, but. Mm-hmm. What's it like to build something at scale? Like, what are you looking for in your lieutenants? Yep. How do you partition out the work? How do people do this? Like, how do you think about that?
1: Yeah. I mean, usually it comes to a head when the company cannot hire fast enough. And usually it's related to resources or a lack of, like, capacity planning. On yeah. the, here's the output of the team today. Here's what it could be if we added X. Um, so I think that's something that, that usually will help get the support to scale out the team. Um, you know, and there's other things as well. Do you have the right team? Do you have the right tools, right resources, all of that? So that's one piece. Um, when you're hiring, I think this could be, you could argue this could be for any type of function, but when you're hiring somebody, you want them, especially if they're one of your, like, leaders or your lieutenants, you want them to be, you know, obviously a good people leader, um, supportive, coachable. You know, I, I'm a believer in, like, kind of putting the team first and not having, like, an agenda for myself. I've always viewed that, if the team is happy and thriving, I will do well. Right. Like it's it, totally. so like that's I put myself second. Right. And so just looking for that humility and that somebody who wants to learn and grow, but has a track record of success and they're hardworking and, you know, that sort of thing. So
0: do you look when you're assembling, like you're re- recruiting operation or organization? Do you look for a mix of people who recruited at big companies and small companies? Or how do you think about that mix? It's
1: a good question. I'd say if it was, uh, you know, a big company, you'd probably want, and you knew big hiring was coming, you'd probably want somebody who's been there, done that, so done it's the scale, less yeah. daunting, um, but I think more important than, than where they've come from, are they, like, hungry, and do they yeah. want to work hard, and, you know, that's hard to assess for, but, like, you know, walking them through some like, kind of open-ended questions in the interview and, you know, scenario-type things and seeing how they respond is certainly a good signal that I've found helpful as I've scaled up teams. Yeah. Um, and then you know, making sure you have processes in place that are repeatable. Companies also, as they scale and grow, you become a lot more specialized, right? You know, you're very general. Hey, we just need a lot of, you know, whether you know athletes or whatever that can run around and do different things. And then you know, as the as the company becomes more specialized, you got to specialize your recruiting team. That's a, right? that's a great point. So you know, as I've you know, worked with uh, folks to set up my team and, you know, made decisions on where people go and what they do. I've had to, you know, have some tough conversations. Hey, I've got to take this away from you because I need you to go really deep in this department side by side with this executive to really get to know their needs and their priorities and and make sure that we're nailing headcount for this business, right? And so rather than have somebody do like, 10 different skill sets and recruit across the board, you know, they might recruit for one yep. for the foreseeable future.
0: That's, that's really good advice. That yep. specials in having that tough conversation is like, it's challenging, but it's also a compliment in a way like they're, they're good at what they do. And so you just need them to really focus on that. Yeah,
1: exactly. Yep. And, and I, I've told this to, to people too. They're like, when, when's a good time to hire a recruiter? I said six months before you need it. Right. I mean, it, it's so it's same necessary. with an accountant. Yeah, of course. Right. Like, Everywhere I've been, it's like we're always reactively catching up to headcount and this and that. So we got into some cadence where you can you can get ahead of uh, that pain if you just, you know, have some kind of sanity around the numbers and potential number scenarios just to, you know, in the capacity modeling, just to show what you'll need to, you know, deliver on potential, you know, Headcount plan. This will
0: make you happy, but when we do financial models for startups, we put all that stuff in there. So, so now we can just send it over to you and be like, "What do you think? Do you agree?" Yeah, because there's, I'm sure you have like these gut reactions. Like you know what what the headcount build is supposed to look like, and what the engineering mix versus other people mix is supposed to be. So, that would actually be a pretty interesting. That could be our our next podcast, yeah, the third I'll, podcast. I'll do some homework. On uh, the homework. <laughs> so we're wrapping up here, but I have a, a very serious question for you. Oh gosh, okay, what do you got? For those that don't know, Glenn and I play fantasy football together. <laughs> yes. And Glenn, you work at one of the preeminent venture capital funds in the world, the most technology advanced. And yet, why in our fantasy football league do we play on an old website that has like a 1992 interface? Tell <laughs> me, tell me why. Why are we stuck on this old interface?
1: Uh, you know, sometimes stuff that works, you <laughs> stick with it. You know, um, we've been using that website since college. It's amazing. I don't
0: even um, know what the name of the website is. I don't want to embarrass anybody. Yeah,
1: yeah I'm not. I, I know it, but I'm not going to say. I, don't I want to like
0: to blame my poor performance in the fancy league on the website. Yeah, all right. Uh, so, but or your decision. Do you want to? Do you want to brag for a second?
1: No, uh, it, it's been a, I don't know, we've been doing the same league now for, what, 20 years sounds, or so? huge, And uh, yeah. some really great friends have stayed close as a result, so it's been pretty fun. It's a nice and fun hobby, and, um, you know, I, I did win it this year, so I'll, I'll brag a little bit, and, uh, you know, it's really nice to have guys like Bob Rittinger in the league who uh, just kind of make it easy He's for us. He's a pushover, to just, yeah. just, you know, maul our way into the yeah. playoffs. Yeah, I
0: mean, when you're in his division, <laughs> you're practically getting to the playoffs no matter what, yeah, so. Yeah, exactly. Uh, well, you're very humble. Glenn did win. <laughs> and uh, I think I came in like fourth to last for those who are counting, keeping the score out there.
1: That was probably your best year,
0: though, ever, It's right? pretty, yeah. I usually come in last place in this league. <laughs> I'm not good. But I, again, I like to blame it on the website. Yeah, so. Okay. So uh, hopefully someday we can upgrade. Awesome. All right, Glenn, awesome podcast. Thank you for all the tips. Do you want to tell everyone where they can find you and
1: Yeah, recap? Um, you know, I'm happy to help. We're, my team and I are always looking to network and connect with really great people, you know, potential um founders or companies that you know are getting off the ground and want some advice. Um my email is G Evans, G-E-V-A-N-S at graylock.com.
0: You're the man, you're very humble, you've had a tremendous career, and Greylock is lucky to have you. And uh thanks for coming on the podcast.
1: Absolutely. All thanks, right. Scott. Appreciate Let's it. Let's give
0: a quick shout out to Rippling for sponsoring the podcast, Best Payroll Benefits and in IT infrastructure integration. Thank you, Rippling. And thank you to Glenn at Greylock. Really appreciate it. Thank you. All right, bud. Take care. All right. So when your trouble's are mountain, in tax or accounting, you go to Cruise. From Founders and friends. It's Cruise Consulting. Founders and friends with your host, Scotty. Oh. Scotty.